a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, we look at some emails with questions from listeners. I've had quite a few wonderful questions from people who've been listening to the show, and I wanted to answer those for everyone because they're such great questions. So I'm going to jump right in uh, after a few preliminaries here. The first one is that I am proud to announce that this program for several years in a row now has been voted number eight out of the top 100 religious radio shows and podcasts in the United States. So tell your friends about it, please. You can also listen to this program twice on Sundays, live, 6.30 in the morning and 9.30 at night, Mountain Time. It's also available as a podcast on ksl.com, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and on a number of wonderful podcast sites. So please check it out. There are past shows for several years that you can listen to on the internet. Also, if you have a question or comment about some religious issue, feel free to be in touch. If I don't know the answer, I'll be happy to delve into it and see what I can find with a bit of research. Send those inquiries to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond. So, on to listener questions. The first one is from Fred, who is in Utah. He says, I heard that the Joseph Smith papyri translated into the Book of Abraham was found, and it's been translated by Egyptologists, and it doesn't say what Joseph Smith said. Does this prove Joseph Smith was not a prophet? The short answer is many of the facts in these kinds of statements are not true. Here are the true facts. The first one is that 11 fragments of the Joseph Smith papyri have been found. There were five different scrolls that were part of the collection of Joseph Smith papyri. We know that the one described in the 1840s by eyewitnesses, many of whom were not even Latter-day Saints, as the Joseph Smith papyri, have not been found. To which the response might be, well, wait a minute, the part that's been found are the illustrations in the book of Abraham, to which I would say, it's a little bit like finding a book. And there's an appendix at the end of photographs, or maybe at the beginning, all the photographs or illustrations in the book are 
collected together or maybe in the middle of the book, but not necessarily at the place where the text describes them. That is exactly what you find in many, if not most, ancient Egyptian papyri. And so, yes, we have found the facsimiles for the book of Abraham, but not the texts. We know that the text was not found from eyewitness accounts. We also know it because the five fragments that we have uh, th- that comprise the whole Joseph papyri, rather the five rolls, scrolls that comprise the whole jo- of the Joseph Smith papyri, have not been found. Only eleven little fragments that would comprise two or three feet worth of papyrus. We know from calculations done by LDS Egyptologist John Gee and others that there would have probably been close to a hundred total feet of papyri that comprise the entire collection and that the part from which the book of Abraham was translated has not been found. And so that's the short answer. Anyone wishing more details on this subject, feel free to be in touch. So the short answer is no, we haven't found the papyrus from which the Joseph Smith translation, the book of Abraham, took place. Hence, the translation by Egyptologists of the portion which has been found would be expected to be different from the book of Abraham, and it is. All right, next question. This one is from Mary, who lives in Arizona. She says, my children left the church over the church's stand on LGBTQI persons. What has the church said? Why would my children leave over that? I can't even talk to them about it. Well, I'm not sure I know exactly why your children might leave the church, but I can make a few guesses. The church came out with a policy in 2015 in its handbook that said that children of LGBTQI parents needed first presidency approval to be baptized, which was often given. Nevertheless, and, and by the way, that particular policy was given so that children in households of LGBTQI parents would have to be older and learn for themselves. Uh, more of the details about the church and its teachings and that they were different from the household in which they were being raised. And so that seemed to be a prudent thing. Nevertheless, many, many people criticized the church and what ultimately happened was that in April of 2019, the policy was changed. It returned to the prior policy. And so currently, Children of LGBTQI couples may receive any ordinance just like any other children without first presidency authorization. I hope that helps a little bit, and I hope your children can hear about the policy change and perhaps come back. Next question. I saw a video. By the way, this is from Oliver in the U.K., He says, quote, I saw a video called the Bible and Book of Mormon. It was apparently produced somewhere in Utah, and it says there is all kinds 
of archaeological evidence for the Bible, but none for the Book of Mormon. Is this true? Close quote. Short answer, absolutely not. There certainly is some archaeological evidence that supports the Bible. We can't prove the resurrection by archaeological evidence. We can't prove many things that are in the New Testament because they're matters of faith. And there are even fewer things that can be demonstrated by archaeology pertaining to the Old Testament era. When you get to the Book of Mormon, you find the same thing. Most of the Book of Mormon is a matter of faith, and so it's not susceptible to proof by some kind of archaeology or some archaeological find. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there are some pretty amazing discoveries that have been found among those, and by and these are discoveries that were unavailable and not known at the time of Joseph Smith. One of those is the location of Nahum, which is mentioned early on in the Book of Mormon. It's the place where Ishmael died. It's a real location. It's been found. Another is the location out on the Arabian Peninsula where Nephi built the ship. We're talking about Old World Bountiful. This is an extraordinary discovery. It was found in the early 1990s, and there, surrounded by virtually nothing but sand, you have two locations which have water, food, wood for the construction of a ship, and also metals, so that the things that are described in the Book of Mormon dealing with smelting could all have taken place. This is an extraordinary find. There are also other finds that substantiate or at least back up that are good evidences for the Book of Mormon. So there is archaeology that supports the Bible, but there is also archaeology that supports the Book of Mormon. All right, we'll be right back with more questions from listeners right after this. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Our discussion today centers around questions sent in by listeners. If you have a question or comment, I welcome them. Feel free to send them to martinstanner at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to respond. The next question is also from out of the country. I specifically chose some questions so that we could include people who listen from all over the world. This is from Ava, who lives in Australia. Quote, if our church has restored truths, were there temples like our temples and endowments like our endowments in them when Jesus lived or earlier. Please help. I haven't seen any evidence of this. Close quote. The short answer is we know from the Book of Mormon and also from descriptions in the Bible about Solomon's temple 
that temples were well in Herod's temple as well. The temples were not in antiquity exactly like Latter Day Saint temples are today. However, we do have evidence that something like today's endowment was available in times of early Christianity and also baptism for the dead. Evidence for baptism for the dead is, of course, found in the New Testament. The endowment is a fascinating question because that is found in a non-biblical text called the Secret Gospel of Mark, which was only found in relatively recent times. In 1960, a partial fragment was discovered in a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. It was discovered by Columbia professor Morton Smith. And in there, if you look at the translation, and I'm not going to go into all the details about controversies surrounding the text, uh, I'm convinced that it is a genuine text. Uh, There are others who disagree. But the context of the text and what it says before it breaks off, because we only have partial fragment, is that after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he took him out and presented him with something that looks very similar to our endowment. In other words, he taught him the mysteries of the kingdom is the way it's described in that book. And there have been some wonderful articles showing the numerous parallels or overlaps between the LDS endowment and the ceremony or whatever you would like to call it that's found in the secret gospel of Mark. To me, this is quite an exciting find. Thank you for the question, Ava. Great, great question. The next question is from Todd, who's in California. And Todd asks this. I had a friend who said he doesn't believe the church anymore because he has read about near-death experiences and he doesn't believe they are real. Just people's imagination when they think they are dying. He says, Joseph Smith just had a near-death experience, and that was his first vision, and it wasn't real. What do you think? Close quote. Todd, to me, the, the fact that what Joseph Smith describes is similar to a near-death experience is a great evidence for its authenticity not for it not being real. Let me start off first with why near-death experiences can be demonstrated to be genuine. First of all is that often people who have near-death experiences acquire knowledge or information that they did not have before the experience, meaning they didn't make it up. And second of all, which can be verified by others like doctors, 
or nurses or others who perhaps described what happened in a surgery or perhaps by family members who describe what family members and others were doing while the person had their near-death experience. Near-death experiences are not caused by medications or drugs or anything else. There's actually an inverse relationship between those things and near-death experiences. So there's great evidence for the authenticity of near-death experiences. Then we look at Joseph Smith's first vision and find that what Joseph Smith describes, in other words, God being incredibly bright and glorious, more bright and glorious than the noonday sun, and full of love, and his son Jesus being the same. All of those descriptions are very, very much like the descriptions we read about in near-death experiences, many from people who knew nothing about the LDS faith, and yet they describe George Ritchie would be a great example, God as being incredibly bright, Jesus as being bright and glorious beyond, Ritchie used a different metaphor, a million welder's lamps in brightness and full of love. Same kind of description as Joseph Smith, but in different words. To me, this is a fabulous, fabulous check and a balance and evidence on of the authenticity of the first vision, not some kind of a of of a thing that somehow disproves it. Great question. All right, we have time for maybe one more question here. This one is from Ted, who says, and by the way, Ted's in Utah. Where's the evidence the Bible wasn't translated correctly? Where's the evidence something was lost from the Bible? I would really like to understand that. Close quote. Let's start here. Second Kings chapter 22 verse 8 tells us that a priest named Hilkiah found a book of the law in the temple. This was during the early stages of Josiah's temple renovations. This priest, Hilkiah, gave this scroll to his secretary, who took it to King Josiah. According to the Bible, King Josiah then changed the form of religious and secular leadership entirely, forming a new kind of covenant with God. He wiped out what we would call now pagan cults. He formed a new kind of covenant and entered it, entered into it um, with his followers. This is a fascinating description. This shows us that the Bible originally was quite different and that this new book of the law greatly influenced the Bible and changed it. We also have similar kinds of things for the New Testament. The earliest manuscripts of the New Testament, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus, and others, all have information and entire books in them that are not found in any of our Bibles today. 
further we have different verses and different chapters that show great changes that have been made. Now, whether one sees great agreement or significant changes, I suppose, is a point of view, uh, up to one's point of view, because the Bible hasn't been completely changed, but there are some significant changes in it. There's a great deal of uniformity in the Bible, but there are some things that are not uniform and have indeed been changed. I hope these comments help. Thank you for listening. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.